Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio Podcasts. This podcast is focused on next-generation immune checkpoints, deciphering key roles in the TME from the 2021 Immuno-Oncology 360 Summit. For more information about the Immuno-Oncology 360 Summit, our editorial, podcasts, and webinars, please visit io360summit.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. So thanks again for the opportunity. And I'd like to share to you today um, a vignette on one of the next generation immune checkpoint receptors that we've been working on called TIM3 and really share a story about how the combination of preclinical, clinical and translational research is so critical and iterative in terms of our ability um, to discern the key activity of individual targets in the tumor microenvironment. So as has been shared multiple uh, times today and was eloquently described earlier in this session by Shannon Turley, we know that within the tumor microenvironment, there are a number of different states that can exist. And despite the tremendous advances of PD-1, PDL one pathway blockade and CTLA-4 blockade, there is still um, primary and adaptive resistance to these mechanisms of checkpoint inhibition. We see um, uh, instances where the uh, tumor can have T cells present but excluded, unable to attack the tumor. And even in the setting of inflamed into, uh, tumors where T cells are able to infiltrate the core, we know that there are multiple barriers to their activity in terms of suppressive cells, as well as multiple suppressive secreted factors. What I'd like to share to you today is how we've come to view TIM3, initially described as a T cell checkpoint for its upregulation on T cells that co-express PD-1 and become dysfunctional or exhausted, is that it actually has a critical role on innate immune cells, particularly myeloid cells in the solid tumor setting, and importantly, is also expressed on transformed myeloid cells, malignant leukemic cells in AML, where we're seeing um, encouraging signs of, of early activity. So just to give you a bit of background, um, TIM3 is a cell surface receptor that has um, IGV and mucin domains and has four described ligands, um, including phosphatidyls, serine and galactin-9, which I'll talk about today. And the early attention of TIM3 as a key T-cell uh, checkpoint came from some published uh, data that I'm showing you here from Mark Smith and also described by Anna Anderson, Vijay Kuchur and colleagues, where in mirroring models of colon carcinoma, while TIM3 blockade had little activity as a single agent, combination blockade um, showed enhanced responses beyond that at PD-1 alone. This data from the clinic also suggests a key role for TIM3, as you can see here in patients with lung cancer, where in the pink dots, a pleural effusion of patients that had been treated with PD-1 inhibitors were studied for their expression of other molecules. And as you can see, both CD4 and CD8 T cells were found to upregulate TIM3 on their cell surface, suggesting that it could be a resistance node to PD-1-mediated therapy. Um, however, as we began studying this in our in our work at Novartis, there was one thing that really drew our attention. So if you look here at this heat map of data across the TCGI database, so across multiple solid tumor indications, you can see that while PD-1 correlates highly with a T-cell-associated signature, TIM3 does have a T-cell signature, but importantly, highly correlates with the expression of inhibitory myeloid markers in the tumor microenvironment. And we went on to demonstrate, we and others in the public domain, that TIM3 is highly um, expressed on multiple flavors of myeloid cells in, in both healthy individuals and patients with cancer. 
This elegant work from Lisa Cousins, Brian Ruffle, and colleagues identified TIM3 RNA expression as highly elevated on antigen cross-presenting dendritic cells, these CD103 DCs, which they showed by protein expression as well. And this was also demonstrated in tumor-associated dendritic cells by Chiba and colleagues. In our own work, we also saw this same expression that TIM3 is highly expressed on antigen cross-presenting DCs, CD103 DCs, as, as shown here. And importantly, when we looked in TIM3 deficient mice and implanted them with murine syngenetic models of colon carcinoma, we actually found that there were more CD103 DCs at the tumor microenvironment in these um, TIM3 deficient mice, suggesting that TIM3 has a key functional role on dendritic cells. We saw this um, in human DCs as well, which I'm showing here on the right-hand side. So we isolated dendritic cells from healthy human donor blood, and we activated them ex vivo through TLR-mediated signaling with LPS. And what you can see here and highlighted in the red bars is that when we blocked TIM3 with our antibody MBG453 during activation, we saw that these DCs um, in, uh, secreted enhanced levels of pro-inflammatory cytokines, seen here with both IL-6 and TNF-alpha suggesting that TIM3 forms a sentinel role on DCs, keeping them suppressed, and when it's blocked, it enhances their pro-inflammatory cytokine secretion and activation. And this was further confirmed in the data that I shared previously from Lisa Cousins and Brian Ruffle. They showed here in a murine model of breast cancer that TIM3 blockades synergized with paclitaxel. And the model that they developed suggested that blocking TIM3 on dendritic cells enhances their secretion of chemokines, such as um, uh, CXCL9 and um, cytokine says there's IL-12. And this actually supports T-cell activation and ultimate T-cell killing of the tumor, suggesting that really a key role for TIM3 in this space was not on the T-cells themselves, but actually supporting DC um, stimulation and ultimate activation of T-cells in the tumor microenvironment. We at Novartis developed an antibody to TIM3 called MBG453. It's a sub-nanomolar affinity antibody for TIM3, and we described its ligand blocking property shown here in a cellular assay that the antibody blocks the binding of TIM3 to one of its best described ligands, phosphatidylserine. You can also see that here in the crystal structure where we've overlaid it with the published murine crystal structure of TIM3 with phosphatidylserine. And you can see that our antibody, which is shown in green and blue, significantly clashes with where phosphatidylserine typically binds um, to TIM3. So where I want to move to for the remainder of this talk is, is really how the clinic is informing us and our translational and preclinical research. So we've come from viewing TIM3 as a T-cell checkpoint, and it surely is highly expressed on dysfunctional T-cells, to appreciating its key role on myeloid cells and specifically dendritic cells that present tumor antigen in the tumor microenvironment. And now where we're really seeing this emerging and encouraging clinical activity is actually in the setting of AML and myelodysplastics syndrome. We've shared some of this data publicly over the last few years. And just to give you a little bit of background, I want to share why TIM3 is a relevant molecule in AML and MDS. So I already described its expression on T cells and macrophages, and it's also expressed on, on NK cells. But importantly, TIM3 is highly upregulated on leukemic stem cells and BLAS in both AML and MDS. And I'm going to share the clinical data here as well as our emerging picture of mechanism in this space. 
So this is the phase one trial wherein we studied MBG, which is also known as sabotolimab, in combination with standard of care hypomethylating agents in this patient population of MDS, AML, and CMML. And we studied multiple dosing schedules. Importantly, um, the, F the safety and tolerability of sabotolimab was well established in our solid tumor trial with PD-1 prior to moving into this setting. And so we were able to start at higher doses. And we combined with a pretreatment with either of the hypomethylating agents and then um, treating with uh, sabotolimab on either a Q2 or Q4 schedule. And just to highlight here this emerging clinical data, which was most recently um, shared by Andy Brenner at the SHMDS meeting um, and also at ASH in 2020, we're seeing very encouraging signs of preliminary activity. And if you concentrate on the very high, uh, very high risk, high risk MDS patient population, you can see that we have an overall response rate for the combination with either azacitidine or decitabine of 64% with 23% um, CRs and 28% uh, marrow CRs. These are uh, patients who have had blast um, reduction, but without complete um, enhancement of uh, normal, normal blood counts. So because of this data, we really wanted to better decipher the mechanism in this space. And just in my last few slides, I'll highlight what we see. So the initiation of this trial came on this beautiful um, published data from Kikushigi and colleagues, where they demonstrated that TIM3 is highly expressed in leukemic stem cells and blasts across multiple subtypes of AML, but importantly, not expressed in hematopoietic stem cells. Asayama and colleagues went on to extend these observations in MDS where they showed that TIM3 expression actually correlates with disease severity in MDS. And over the course of several publications, Kikushiki and colleagues showed that there's an autocrine feedback loop between TIM3 and another of its key ligands, Galactin-9, that leads to leukemic stem cell self-renewal through downstream signaling involving both beta-catenin and NF-kappa B. We've recently demonstrated that in, initial, in addition to the described blockade by MBG of the TIM3 phosphatidyl serine interaction, we also partially block this interaction between TIM3 and galactin 9 shown in this cellular assay here. Importantly, this suggests that MBG may directly inhibit this autocrine feedback loop that leads to leukemic stem cell self-renewal. However, our data in xenograft models of AML suggests that this leukemic intrinsic activity of TIM3 blockade on its own is insufficient for the clinical activity that we're seeing, which I'm demonstrating here. So in this model um, in immunodeficient mice without a full immune system, you can see that while we see nice activity with decitabine on its own, we don't see an enhancement in the presence of MBG. So this led us to further explore in vitro what the potential complementary role of MBG in the immune system might be, which is what I'm showing you here. So on the left-hand side, we looked at an AML cell line, THP1 cells, which we pre-treated um, either with control or with decitabine at a sublethal dose. And then we did a co-culture with activated T cells in the presence of MBG. And what you can see is that MBG um, on its own enhanced um, PBMC-mediated killing of these AML cells. And this was further enhanced by the pretreatment with the cytobine, suggesting a synergy between HMA and MBG. 
We saw this in another setting here where we actually engineered these AML cells, THP1 cells, to highly express TIM3 on their surface. And intriguingly, when we did a ratio of the THP1 cells that overexpressed TIM3 relative to wild type TIM3, uh, wild type AML cells, we found enhanced killing by PBMCs um, of the THP1 cells that express MBG on the surface. And we found that this required the full antibody, which suggested to us there could be an FC receptor mediated role in this space, and that's what I'm showing you here. So we looked at the ability of MBG to actually enhance antibody-dependent cellular phagocytosis of TIM3-expressing cells. And while I'm showing the primary data here, I'll just explain it um, in terms of this illustration here on the right. So in this instance, we used THP1 cells activated with PMA as phagocytes, and we co-cultured them with a target cell, in this case, Raji cells that were engineered to overexpress TIM3 on the surface in the presence of MBG or isotype control. And what we found is that MBG is actually able to engage FC gamma receptor 1 expressed on the phagocytes and support the phagocytic uptake of the TIM3 overexpressing cells, suggesting that one role of MBG in AML may be to bind the TIM3 leukemic cells and support their phagocytic uptake by macrophages. And so just showing you this model here on my, on my last slide, and this is our working mechanistic hypothesis of how TIM3 blockade is relevant in the setting of AML and MDS. So as I mentioned, TIM3 is highly expressed on leukemic stem cells and blasts. When our antibody MBG or sabatolimab binds to this, it may directly inhibit this autocrine renewal loop between TIM3 and galactin 9. And we're further studying the downstream signaling pathways to better understand this. In addition, when MBG binds to TIM3 on leukemic stem cells and blasts, it may be able to facilitate phagocytic uptake of these leukemic cells by an FC receptor dependent mechanism. Importantly, as I showed you in the beginning, we know that blocking TIM3 on myeloid cells makes the, um, enhances their inflammatory capacity. And we think that the direct blockade of TIM3 on myeloid cells with our antibody may also support this microenvironment in AML and MDS. So with that, I really just want to thank the many colleagues and collaborators, um, clinicians, preclinical uh, and translational researchers, and the patients in the trial who have been so critical um, to this work. And if there's time, I'm, I'm very happy to take any questions as well. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For more information about the Amino Oncology 360 Summit, our editorial, podcasts, and webinars, please visit io360summit.com. Thank you.